this is Joy Gilfillan, host of I Change Justice, where members of the Restorative Community Coalition talk civics with people who are living in the aftermath of an arrest. People confronting the compound dilemmas, ripple effects, and consequences on their family, friends, and taxpayers. Listeners' discretion is advised for this information can be disturbing and can trigger an emotional reaction. This is about lived experiences, discussed for taxpayer education, and to advance justice system reform. It is not to be used for legal advice. Hello, this is Joy Gilfillan with I Change Justice podcast, and I'm here with a special guest who has been doing walkabout in the subject of homelessness and how it's hap- how it's working with people up and down I-5, how difficult the conversation is, how things have changed, and what's happened. And what is it? The first question I want to ask with you is, what do people who are not living homeless not understand about homelessness? Like there's really a different experience you have once you are homeless. What are some of those key differences so that people that are listening to this show can understand? Yes. Um, Since 2020, everything has gotten so much different. Um, and, And every state and county does their homelessness differently. But depending on how they approached the shutdown, the startup, and where they put their their dollars and how they applied it um, in their communities really, really affected whether or not you can even get services in certain areas and locations. People don't understand that since 2020, nothing's gone back to what we deem normal in those areas. And, and we do not have the staff, the people, the volunteerism, the donations that we had even before um, 2020, which we're already not what we needed fully to fix what's going on, but it's really changed the landscape. So that's from the standpoint of, from a business perspective, but as a homeless person yourself, like you were living homeless for a long time and before I first met you and what is it about homelessness that people who have credit cards and we have cars and we have coffee makers and we have beds to sleep in and we have a warm house to come home to maybe or at least we've got something warm to like we got this whole paradigm like talk about privileged we don't even know we're privileged because we might be broken we might be dealing with all this other stuff but what's it like not even being privileged enough to have a, a card to let you in a gate yeah yeah that's it's it's expensive and people really do not understand how much more money poor people are are expected to shell out to be able to survive um you know i mean what do you mean it's more expensive just to survive (laughs) you can buy good shoes that will last you five years we can't afford that you 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 have a refrigerator where you can put your 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 food to save it we don't have that um heating um yourself you you generally are on a, a, a grid of some kind and you pay monthly we don't have that we've got to buy propane tanks or we've got to uh find firewood which is more expensive um literally everything we do comes with a penalty for being for being poor you know i i, I can't even get a bank account if i don't keep five thousand or uh fifteen 
$500 in my bank account, they take my money away. So we can't even have bank accounts because we don't make enough money to have our bank in an account. There are money in an account. Wow. You know, I mean, people do not understand that every single system we have set up punishes you more and costs you more for being poor. Wow. And I I know that from prior conversations with people who are homeless, you can't rent a hotel room because you don't have a credit card. You don't have a credit card. You can't rent a hotel room. You can't, um, you can't uh, put a, you know, I mean, if you, you know, you have no, no backup, whatever you lose, you're done. You can't reclaim that. You can't just go and put in a line of credit somewhere and, and buy that back, you know? So well, yeah, we don't. It was interesting when I was talking to someone and it might've been you a while back when we were talking about how, when COVID happened and they closed doors and you had to go to get services in different closed government buildings that sometimes you had to have a phone number in order to get in or in order to apply for something, you had to have all of them. It wasn't just some, they closed down every single DV. DV victims could not get services at all. They were shut down. Domestic violence. Domestic violence services, you were shut down. So you couldn't get help. You couldn't get help. The people that are supposed to be on call to come help you get yourself out of the situation, they didn't come out. They shut down every human services. None of those were deemed essential. Not one. They all closed their doors and sent us to a phone number that did not do anything because no one would come out. No one had funds. No one had any services for us. We spent all of 2020 being left out to die. Every single person who needed a service, mental health, drug treatment, on the streets, Anything that you needed, if you were on a housing list, you were on hold and it didn't matter if you were, you know, it didn't matter that you were in a tent. You were on hold for two years. Wow. You know, the felons got left in in jail for well over their sentences because they wouldn't open the courts. But every box store was open. You guys could go shopping all you wanted. But anybody who was poor was just literally left out to die. Not just the homeless. I mean, any step of the way that you needed human services, they were not there. So in other words, the people who were incarcerated were locked in and stayed there because they couldn't get out. Prosecutors weren't conducting court meetings, so you couldn't even get services from those who were incarcerated. So they got excessively punished. For three years straight. And the jails got filled up with people who should have even been released. They were able to be released, but they didn't get released because of various reasons. And you couldn't go visit people inside because the jails were in lockdown. And And they couldn't get their commissary or anything like that, too. I mean, even down to any of the extra things that they need to survive or in little, you know, I mean, no commissary coming in. No, you know, I mean, nothing, nothing was coming in. Nothing was leaving. You couldn't see your friends. You couldn't see your family. These people were extra incarcerated for three years. I was held on the hook on false charges for three years for a misdemeanor completely ruined my life. I couldn't leave this state for three years over this. I was found not guilty, by the way. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. But I sat there for three years being punished for something I was innocent of by a jury of my peers for three years because they, they shut it all down. Wow. And this was in addition to having also traveled up and down I-5 for a year, trying to figure out 
how things could work. And well, that was, yeah. that was in that addition was to that. that later, was, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so those those are different stories from different times with different people. But during the COVID crisis, this last three years, 2020, mm-hmm. basically. That's been all that time. Right? And into 2023, because a lot mm-hmm. of people were still under COVID lockdowns and shutdowns. And people, people were also incarcerated inside their homes. Yes. So, yeah. and we were in lockdown inside our country. Many people couldn't cross borders without cards and without passports, but without masks and without vaccinations or without whatever. So there was a lot of things that have happened the last three years, but specifically, let's get back to the um, homeless experience specifically. Mm -hmm. You don't have a card. You don't have a bank account. Many times you don't have a phone. Yeah. You don't have a reliable bed to sleep in. Nope. You don't have warmth. Yeah, your network and your network is broken because people are being hazed and and chased out of camps. Swept constantly with no no shelter. We do not have enough shelter at any point to be sweeping people. And we're still constantly chasing homeless people around in various different cities and towns uh, up and down the coast. Um, But not all of them. That's that's the thing. I see cities that successfully came out of COVID and used their cares and their Fed funding properly. Um, and uh, like, give and, me an example. What does that mean? What are the CARES dollars? What What are you talking about with regards to that? Because our audience doesn't know what you know about it. That's fair, yeah. So when the shutdown happened, um, our government started shelling out federal money for a bunch of um, things. You know, you saw them get PPP loans and you saw them do all these things. The CARES dollars were given was- to the and yeah. that was PPP, and that's even that's like personal preparedness type stuff, right? Right. And emergency right. services, supposedly. PPP loans only went to small businesses. Oh. That's all they were for. It was just to, to keep small businesses afloat. But then they wrote it so poorly that a bunch of mega corporations went in there and gutted them. So none of the small businesses, because I actually was involved with a small business working part time when that happened, and we couldn't even get our loan because all the millionaires applied for them first. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to wait for the second, third round. Um, but anyway, so that they gave out all sorts of, but CARES were specifically for city and towns so that they could um, bolster their services that, that were now suffering because they'd all been closed down. And um, it was supposed to help the, the city, the cities and the counties, um, you know, fund things, recoup things, and maybe, you know, improve things for our new normal, you know. And uh, any city that I've seen while I was traveling this summer and and um, everything was the cities that use their CARES dollars and went, wow, we really need mental health services. We need drug treatment services. We need to bolster our housing, our low income housing and 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 our community and and our, you know, uh, education. Those cities are having a far better time and have far less people suffering in their streets by like a very, very noticeable amount. Anybody who decided to spend their CARES dollars doing shady backdoor deals or not putting it towards things that were long-term solution oriented 
um, th- their streets are filled just like ours. You know, human suffering because the money was not applied where it was needed. So let's talk for briefly about a couple of the cities that you may have seen or even one of them that where the CARES dollars were used well. And so the, the, the people going into those cities if or living in those cities actually were served a little bit. But it's still difficult, I would imagine, because the shock of three years of trauma still affected them. But let's talk about the cities who did it well and what you saw there. Well, I was I was staying in Astoria, Oregon for a while. So I was seeing this the seaside uh, Clatsop County area of Oregon. Um, and they were one that did it really well. Um, they invested a lot of their money into their their medical um, their med- So they 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 funded their hospital that serves low income people and added like they're 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 building a huge new building that's going to house a bunch of mental health services. They've hired a ton of mental health people, um, and and and, and nurses and doctors and um, uh, social workers and things are going to come in as well. Um, and and this is a this is what we call an actual destination town for the homeless. Um, that uh-huh. coast because um they they don't we don't die there it's it's warm enough during the winter and there's enough there to protect us from the elements so a lot of people will seek the oregon coast area um and it's not too far from portland you know um so those are destination places so that means that a good majority of their homeless people don't come from their area and they don't they don't other them and they don't punish them for that they just accept that that's that they are a safe place and they try to just fix it. You know what I mean? Get them, get them into whatever service they need to be in. And so they spent their money on making sure that their schools had um, good um, um, shop and tech for the laborers because they're a poor community that needs that. Honestly, our, our schools need that nowadays. Um, and, and they spent their money on mental health, medical and, and, and things like that. And they, they just don't, they don't have the problem with the people in the streets. They don't have the 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 drug abuse openly in the streets, even though it's legal technically there, just like it is here. You know, they don't have any of that because they put their CARES dollars where it was actually needed personally and nationally. You know what I mean? Like they looked at the whole picture, not just, you know, this little spot where they're at. So what you're saying is that not to promote it as a destination center, because not everybody's city wants to be called a destination center for homeless. Nobody, nobody what does. What we're talking about is that this is a city who did some things right. And then if every city in our community and our nation did that in their community, it would help the whole community lift itself up like a rising tide lifts all boats. Yes, well, and I'm not saying that it's it, it, I'm not saying it's destination now. It has always been because of the weather, not because of what they've done. And I'd like to make oh. that distinction because so many people like to say, well, if you give them services there, they'll all flock there. And that that's not what's happening there. They've always been a destination location before all of this for forever because of the weather. So right. any place where there's less harsh weather is going to be a destination location. And nobody talks about that because they want to pretend like it's the services, you know, anytime it's talked about being a destination, it's in the negative. And so they're like, how do we stop them from coming here instead of like acknowledging like 
well, of course, they're going to come here instead of Michigan, you know, or New York, because they don't freeze to death as often in the winter in these areas. So that's why they're a destination and people, the, the wrong people talk about it and they don't make these connections and they don't look at the data that is actually out there and see that that is why they migrate to these areas. That's why California is a destination. It's not because it's California. It's because it's always warm. You're not going to freeze to death on a beach, you know? People do not think about that. They just, oh, they move out because, you know, oh, they all come here because they want, no, they want to not die in the winter because they don't have a shelter when there's a snowstorm. So when you went to some of these other cities, they may have had better shelter options. They may have had better first aid options. They may have had better use of being able to show up to help people with fentanyl or addiction issues. Because I'm imagining, and I don't know if this is true or not, and I'm imagining that fentanyl and a lot of the hopelessness that started to show up over the last year or two has really affected living homeless. Is that true? Absolutely. 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 In 2020, when we were trying to get shelters during the COVID shutdown that actually were not super spreader events where everybody was going to get sick and, 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 and have problems. Um, we, we, we did have this hope at the beginning that if we just showed ourselves and how we were suffering, that, that they would help us because that's what we kept being told, you know, during this COVID, the government's got you, it's got everybody. We all just need to get together. And, and, uh, and so, you know, we had, we had that hope we did. I saw it, you know, and, um, and they, they, they took the, you know, they took it away. They, they took it away. They, they ripped it out of us because they, they kept refusing to, you know, to acknowledge that this was an issue. They kept refusing to, um, understand that that they'd taken away these services whether it was by design or just their lack of planning who knows i'm not gonna put evil on people just out of but but they do when even after it happened when we explained this was happening they refused to acknowledge it and and do anything to fix it and, so and in they, other words you had super spreader events that should have been actually covered in their emergency services needs that were not addressed so what happened during the beginning of that covid the homeless people kept saying, this is what we need. You are not even giving us emergency services need. We need bathrooms. We need food. We need water. We need a space to go so that we're not spreading COVID. We need to yes. limit the super spreader. You're making us live by these rules, but we can't even live by those rules because they're not even here. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't speak for everywhere else, but I know that in Walton County alone in 2020, we closed down a a a covid location and th- or a closed down a um shelter because it wasn't covid compliant and then opened a shelter that was exactly the same with 3 inches of difference in the bedding wow and the emergency services needs i mean i remember before we went into the 2021 winter pe- period there was a there was that whole period where the homeless were trying to galvanize together. There were a lot of people in the community trying to help the homeless. And even they were were pushed against because we had a crisis situation on January 28th where our downtown was locked down and the homeless and the hazing and the, the creating of civic refugees, people running away from problems because there was no services to there to help people. And and that's exactly why 
we wound up on the front lawn on 2020 because all of the beginning of 2020 up till November, when they actually started camping out there, we had been telling the city and the county, we don't have these services. You shut them down. We have nowhere to go. We have nowhere to put these people. The one shelter that we have that doesn't have any more beds or any more safety measures, that's not CDC compliant, that's not compliant with any of these regulations that we're supposed to be following, is already full. Um, we have nowhere to put these people. We have 250 people out here just just the ones that are asking for services, not the ones that you have to go in and find, you know, and and, and we have nothing for them. And they they proceeded to vilify us. They proceeded to terrorist jacket us and they attacked us. They attacked us for asking for 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 shelter. They attacked us for asking for yeah food and medicine and proper access to getting covid testing that they had put all the way in Linden. So you had to drive 45 minutes away just to get tested. That didn't just affect the homeless. That affected everybody in Whatcom County that didn't have the ability and time to drive 45 you know, minutes or away. The ability, or the ability to drive. I mean, if you're homeless, you don't yeah. have the ability. Oh, yeah, old the people, were old people, people with on, you know, that took buses for years. I mean, it, it affected anybody who didn't have the privilege of owning their own car and having an hour to go drive up to Linden to get a swab in their nose. You know, so, meanwhile, and then we had to, we, we also, for some reason here, took all of our COVID things and put them in different spots so that you had to go seek them. Every, like Oregon, they kept their COVID tests and their vaccine vaccines at your doctor's office. You could go into your doctor's and get your medical attended to. We took that right away from everyone and made them go to separate buildings and make separate appointments just for that. I mean, that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah. So we got fractured. So the system got fractured. The homeless people got fractured. The first responders got fractured. Mm -hmm. um, the utilities and public services got shut down, like toilets got shut down, garbage stations got shut down. There was, it's like, it's almost like there was this blanket pall of services that got ripped out from underneath it. And Absolutely. the average person who has a car, who had a credit card, who who could go to the store, could get masks, could get COVID tests. We survived it at one level, but the homeless people and the people who were trying to help the homeless were really traumatized at a whole different level. Right. And they were traumatized by the the powers that be, the government, the, the, the national and the local and the, all that from, from all the way up and down. And they, they're already at a disadvantage. They're already in the system negatively. They already have, you know, so many have records, so many have distrust of the government already. And then they, they locked up, shut down, opened the box stores for everyone and let us all out, out there to die, you know? And so there is, yeah. there's this complete hopelessness now that stems from being misled, told that they would be there, told there was funding and everybody be taken care of only to be not taken care of. And when we brought up being not taken care of, being punished for, for talking about it, you know? And it went from, I wanna get clean off meth because I don't wanna find blues in my meth to, hey, do you got any blues from 2020 to 2023? Same person will now seek fentanyl because they're so hopeless that they just want it to be over. People wow. that were trying to get clean in 2020, people that 
I was helping with my outreach who wanted to get clean and get into services and get housing are so hopeless. Now they're trying to kill themselves with, with, with drugs, street drugs, because it's real. So it's completely flipped upside down as a result of how it was. Absolutely. They now, those people are now victimized and being victims of hopelessness. And so what was this the same, like you were talking about what happened in Whatcom County, Oregon was different. How was California as compared to what happened in Oregon? Um, it, see, and that's the thing. Um, the, the small areas of California that don't view themselves as big cities, they applied their funding in some, a lot of those areas properly, and you don't see the human suffering. It's only places... And this is very a personal observation of mine. Sure. It is places where the government leaders and powers that be that control the funding for these things talk about how they can't fix it. It's this Ah. big, ambiguous problem that no one's going to fix and it's not their fault and it's nationwide and they can't do anything about it. And you hear that in L.A., you hear that in San Francisco, you hear that in Seattle, you hear that in Portland. Unfortunately, you also hear that in Whatcom County, and we are not big enough to be talking like that at all. We we keep comparing ourselves to those cities, and per capita, we are not even close. So it's it's disingenuous to, well, Seattle can't fix their problem, Portland can't fix their problem. Yeah, they're literally 10 times bigger than us, bro. We've we've got far more funding and less humans per capita. That this is a, a finite problem in our area. Well, that's interesting. So you're talking about there's a difference in corporate attitude, in corporate political attitude in this different city. You've got a difference in mental attitude about how to help your city and how not to. You've got a difference that happened with the people in the streets feeling like they could get help. And for a while they held out and then constant battering and constant withholding of services and eventually that pivots over and people become upside down in their attitude and their behavior. And that leads to a lot of the fentanyl drug and the misuse, which is fading into a bigger negative. You, you've got you've got not only the some city and county political leaders saying we have enough sheltering beds and enough services when that is absolutely fundamentally untrue and just a downright. I, I hate to say it, but they're lying. They're mm-hmm. lying at this point because they know the facts. They know the numbers. We do not. And so any place where they say, where they they have that othering narrative so hard, well, they just don't want it. They're not seeking it. These people are choosing to be out here. Those are the places where you see the hopelessness and the human suffering because you're already being treated like an animal in the street. And you say, can I have help? And they go, oh, there's a bunch of services. And then you call you know, you find a pay phone, you borrow your buddy's cell phone, you get one keistered out of jail, whatever, and you call 15 deadlines and, and nobody's got anything for you and all the waiting lists are closed. There's no services. They're not funding them properly. We're not getting them and we're being told repeatedly that it's because we're too lazy or because we're too drug addicted or because we want to be out there freezing to death in a tent with no emergency shelter in the middle of winter. You know, I mean... And it's just not true. Beat a child and call them a criminal long enough, and you're going to have a kid that grows up and goes to freaking jail for criminal behavior. You're doing that same thing to all the homeless people when you treat them like dogs in the street that don't want help 
while you're with literally withholding mental health services and and drug treatment services and running all those programs through the prison. So it requires you to have to be a criminal to get access those services because that's what we're doing in Whatcom County right now. You know, I mean, we have a mental health court. How is that legal? You're literally sending me to court because I am mentally unstable. That is a that is a health issue. Mm-hmm. Do we have cancer court? Do, do you do you have do you have you know? I mean, do you have wheelchair court? No, you don't. You have mental health court. That's that. I mean, I don't even know why the ACLU isn't addressing that. So it's interesting. We're going to be right back with you, Missy. We've got to take a break right now. We're going to come right back because I want to talk about how is this different now in the courts as different from what it was even a year ago. So thank you for joining us on the call. We'll be right back. If you are a business owner or professional who wishes to sponsor our Restorative Community Coalition, give a legacy gift to the Restore Life Center Project, or support our fundraising events, feel free to contact us at sponsors at therestorativecommunity.org. So let's talk um, back another layer, because one of the things they just did in Whatcom County is they just passed a tax to build a great big jail, as opposed to, to, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're promising to provide public health services and restorative services and mental health services. But in fact, the way the tax is written, it's actually to build a great big jail because they yep. like the flood of people that ended up living on the streets. But it sounds to me like you observed how it's almost the opposite of what the real world experience was. So, it, it so is. talk to me about what's different today. Are there any better services since we're out of COVID? Absolutely worse. Absolutely worse. Absolutely worse everywhere, except for in, in you know, I up and down the corridor. Like I said, the people that applied their carriers dollars are doing better. I don't know pre-COVID because I wasn't there for their experience, but they speak to their community speaks to having more hope and and getting back and getting new services that that they've needed for a while. So I have, you know, some of the services that they are providing in those towns are services that were needed for a while, but some of them are, but in Whatcom County and places like Whatcom County, we don't have outreach. We, uh, they've, they've literally scared off all the volunteers. Um, we don't have people going out into the streets to help and offer aid like we had before 2020. Um, we don't have, um, like all, all the, 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 again, all the, um, human services in town are full, closed down, waiting lists, and they don't have any staff because they didn't. So the funding, the staffing, the support system, the volunteers, so the whole safety net that did exist in 2019, 2020, and even 2021, there was a certain amount of that because people were really trying to help other people Mm -hmm. and believe that it was going to be short term. Yes. Because of constant battering, as I might use the term. You should. People gave up. And we were driven out too. Broken, huh? We were driven out by by the government. I mean, our government literally attacks outreach workers. Like as I, I am a homeless person who also does outreach, and I have been called every name in the book. I've been discounted. I've been called a liar for my experiences. And all I've done this entire time was 
tell people oh. where I'm at and what I see. You know, I'm not, there's, you know, I, they have driven so many outreach workers and volunteers out of the area or burn them out with their behaviors and their attacks and their constant sweeping and we have to chase people around and then they're more aggressive and wily and scared and I mean and, and you burn out and it's it's by design I mean I was being harassed by police officers I was being harassed by the government I was being followed I, I they I, you know I mean so, there's no so end of it so I know that it's it's really triggering and it will be triggering for people who are listening to this, especially people who, number one, don't believe it happened. Yeah. Number two, may have been one of the helpers who was out there trying to help. Um, yeah. Number three is somebody working in the social services industry who is in the streets trying to help. And yet they're also being sabotaged in a way. That's what I've heard from one of my friends who's a homeless outreach worker down in the uh, down in the Oregon Washington border. And one of the things mm -hmm. he was talking about is that there's a whole building that was built and it's got like 30 beds in it, but only 15 are occupied because the other 20 beds are being used for meeting rules and regulations and setting up systems. And so the actual use of the CARES dollars has gone to different places. So there's yeah. misuse and abuse and confusion and miscommunication. Would you absolutely that? I so, would absolutely agree with that. So in the places that you were in, that good use of CARES dollars happened, and there were smaller cities and places where people started to do this. Did you see, because this is to validate that the solutions that were originally intended made a difference, and it yeah. was much better. Talk to me about how you could see that it was better. So let's take... Astoria. They, they're a tourist town, but they're also a destination homeless town, so they have that to contend with. But they have this tourist industry, so they can't be having a bunch of people out in their streets. Right. But there's not that punishment. They don't sweep them. They 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 help them. They, you know, you find somebody who's in an area location that they're not supposed to be in. And hey, you know, can you what do you need? Let's meet you where you're at. They actually provide them with the services and get them moved to an area that's safer for them, whether they can get them into shelter or whether they can, you know, you got to be out in this tent for a little while, but we got you on a list here. Um, the, 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 they have garbage cans on every corner. So there's not the debris in the street. There's not the garbage everywhere. There just isn't. Everybody uses the garbage cans. Even if you see, you know, garbage right here, you know, you'll pick it up and throw it in that garbage can just right down there. So it's not just the people that have access to the garbage cans, but when you see litter, you're more inclined to pick it up when you have a garbage can to throw it in right there. So they've got garbage cans on every street corner. They've got bathrooms everywhere, public restrooms. They don't shut them down. There's not the, oh my God, people are doing drugs in here. And they don't have that because it's not punished and maligned and, and, and treated in such a way that it drives people to behave worse because of the way that they're being treated. So what you're so. saying is that by respecting the fact that people have essential human needs, toilets, yes. water, sleep, we sleep. have to be able to lay down and take a nap, whether it's even on a concrete street or a bench or whatever, people yes. have to sleep. Those are have essential human needs. Yes. So when you can at least provide those in any city anywhere, it raises the morale and the belief. And when you've got garbage cans, people, whether they're homeless or not homeless, they're more likely to pick like, up and put yes. it in a garbage can because there's a place to put it. Because there's a community expectation that was set out there. Look, we gave you the service. Now you can use it. And when you give the service, everywhere I go, 
you know, when I see them give the service properly, it works. Right. When they so. hamstring it or mess with it or put, you know, barriers, or, it doesn't work. But if you just put your garbage cans out, hey, everybody's expected to put their litter in the garbage can. Enough people are going to do it that it cleans up your city. Yeah. Hey, we've got bathrooms on every corner. Guess what? You're not going to see poo in your streets because everybody uses the bathroom, even the junkies, even the mentally ill, even the, you know, we all use the bathroom because it's there. You know, you can't take away the public bathrooms and take away the garbage cans and take away any ability to be able to use the bathroom, get a full night's of sleep or clean up the garbage and then go, gee, I can't understand why our houses or our cities are filled with poo and garbage. You took away our ability to clean up after ourselves and, and, and you know, execute a basic human bodily function. Of course, it's going to be in your streets. It's wow. logic, you know. Wow, that's really profound. That's that is new information for a lot of people because that's not the thing that we're talking about. When you read the news, you hear these stories about things. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. I did a review, a new story about what's happening in San Francisco, for example, and that there is actually a lot of people who are finding ways to do business, finding ways to do things in San Francisco that were positive in downtown San Francisco. And yet yep. some of the news media was, you know, San Francisco's a dying town, all this misery. What was your experience in San Francisco or in Los Angeles? Or did you go that far south? I didn't go to Los Angeles. I wound up going to San Francisco, but I can tell you um, there. Did row, and I'm using air quotes for people that can't see my hands. Um, right. Their 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 problem block is butted right up next to the financial district. So ah. you walk down a clean street with clean garbage cans, and they've got human beings on every street corner and on every street, constantly sweeping up and cleaning up and making sure everything's put away, and every business has a armed security detail at the door to make sure everybody behaves and does everything. And then you walk one block away and it is tents and garbage and human misery. And they're all, there's a big, big, big uh, row of, of blockade against them and the rich. Wow. And they're constantly kicked out of the rich area. And that street, I mean, literally you walk, you walk off of financial and off this nice, clean, pristine ground into graffiti, litter, garbage, human waste, all this, because they don't deserve to have the same services. They don't get the guys on every corner sweeping and doing, if all of San Francisco did what they do with the financial district and housed the people that were in Skid Row and then cleaned up that street and put all those services into equally, all their streets would be cleaner. But instead, wow, they push all into one little area and then let all the rich over here and you just don't go over there unless you're looking for drugs. You know, I mean, how other ring is that? Well, the other thing that's interesting about that is that when you go into the financial district, then you have cops on every corner. So it's very yeah. interesting that you still have police on one side or the other. One is to lock people out and that's lock people in. So you're still dealing with guns and gates and lockdowns 
Yep. Yet few people understand that when you're going into the rich district, that's what you're doing is you're getting locked down and locked in. So gentrification has a different story. Still locks its gates, it gungs and gains or whatever, you know, yep. guilt. Yep. But this is the other side. So that's an interesting observation. What else did you notice in the different cities that was just remarkable? I'm not saying that it's a right or wrong. What else? Right. I mean, you know, and I you can see it on I-5, you know, you, you drive down a, to a certain location towards, you know, the Seattle area and all of a sudden tents all across, you know, and, and, and then you move out of, you know, I mean, you can see where the hot button areas are just visually even, mm-hmm. you know, and, um and, and, and when you see them, if you're, if you read the local news, like I did that, you know, cause I was again, kind of studying as well um, while I was traveling because it, it, this is a hot button interest to me. And I was very curious to see like, what did everybody else do? Cause I know where I was at during this time and what went down and I've heard, but I wanted to see with my own eyeballs. And, and so you can, you can very much see where, where the human suffering is. And then when you look at their news and their media and, you know, local media and their local news and their, it, again, you're going to see that narrative of these people are bad. These people are not trying hard enough. These people, these people, these people, them, 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 they're the problem. They're the problem. You're it's that, it's that us versus them mentality. And that, 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 that we have another drug epidemic and everybody's acting like this is new, completely forgetting, you know, the heroin epidemic and the crank epidemic and the mess epidemic. And I don't know how they're forgetting these things. I lost so many people as a teenager to the heroin epidemic in the nineties. I'll never forget it. Um, and, and, and we're, we're repeating the same narratives over and over the war on drugs. And, and we watch this fail repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And so, so then they go, well, that- we'll just take all the laws off drugs. And, and then, but they don't offer any other services or wraparound or anything to, you know, so then it just becomes a wild west and they go, see, it didn't work. They never so do. Take, oh, sorry. Let's yeah. take a break because I want to pivot into what did work, what could work, what came out of this whole yes. experience. What are the things that we could be doing in Whatcom County or any other city to start because you've learned by seeing that it did work in some areas. So let's come back to that. Let's take a quick break. We got about five to seven minutes left. Let's have you really think about what could we be doing to make a difference? Absolutely. Thank you to our sponsors. You can find links to them and a list of our donors on our website at therestorativecommunity.org. You can also donate to support our direct services and our restorative community outreach and initiatives by clicking on the donate button. Welcome back, Missy. I so appreciate your expertise. I mean, it's not really something that most people are proud of to say I'm an expertise in being homeless, but you were an expert. You've become an expert in being homeless because you're working in this field and you're wanting to see changes and it matters to you because it really matters to you as a human being, because I know yep. you and I know that this is this has been something that's near and dear to your heart. So let's help other people who don't know and don't have the courage to do what you've had the courage to do. Think about what can we do over the next year to two years, because the economic traumas that we're dealing with are still real and we're facing potential economic collapse. People are talking about that. 
cost of living has gone up. So what could yep. we do, whether we have money or not, or whether we're in positions of power or not, what do we need to do as humans to help each other? We need to restore hope. We need to restore hope and we need to connect with each other and remember that we're a community. We spent two plus, I'm just going to say two, but it's been over two. We've spent two years fearing each other, you know, afraid to be in the same rooms together, afraid to breathe the same air. You know, I mean, we really, the the lockdown fractured that community that was already hurting. We, we already were having a hard time being community with each other and we were then told that we were all poison and we couldn't community we haven't community together you know i mean to use that as a verb we haven't community together in a very long time so that's where it starts it starts at breaking bread it starts at sitting down at a table with people that are different than you that are in your community it starts with reaching across and restoring some hope and people coming together again and and trying to lift each other up as a community again we need to bring our community back and our hope in our community and our willingness to work together and that's what we can do at the personal level well and respect and dignity go along with hope because that's a huge one if you have hope but you have no hope that anything's coming that just makes hope worse right (laughs) so so it's actually the 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 fact that you have the experience of talking the experience of being communicated with, the experience of even being able to work together. I know when I was working with some of the people in one of the homeless camps, I was talking with them about what they said. And they said, if you've at least got a garbage can, you can pick up your 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 stuff and put it in garbage cans. So exactly public services like garbage cans absolutely on a faucet. Um, yeah toilet that's open 24 seven instead of only nine to five. I mean, my gosh, they open some of our shelters and they say, well, you can go there at eight o'clock at night and you have to leave by five o'clock in the morning. Well, what are you going to do if it's freezing out the rest of the time? And where does that stuff go? That's, and that's the other thing I saw down the, down the coast is that any place that opened the shelter when fall and winter hit and don't close their emergency shelter until spring Far, far more successful at not only not having near as many um, exposure related or exposure um, um, associated deaths, but also when you have that shelter open like that, that's you can also bring your services in there because from fall to to spring, you've got three months to get these people stabilized and into services because they are in the emergency shelter for those three months. And they do that in Astoria Seaside. Um, they do that um, in a couple places in California. Um, and so that was really this this temperature threshold BS that we do and some other cities do where they wait until the last minute. And then maybe if the forecast says it's going to be, you know, 28 degrees, we might open. But then if we find out too late, like that never works. These people are out in the bushes. They're being swept by your government. And then you have a, a shelter that's maybe open, maybe not open, maybe, you know, this day, but not this day. That's more instability. And what a lot of people don't understand about that as well is these people have to pack up everything they, they their whole life, their whole house has to go with them. 
you can't just leave a camp. It gets destroyed. It either gets swept by the city or somebody raids it or heck an animal can get into it. You know, I mean, you're out there. Um, so yeah, like you said, where do you go when they, when they throw you out in the street at 5am or 6am or whatever, and it's still 35 degrees and now you don't have your, your tent or your fire pit or anything. So now you're freezing even more with all your, your stuff, you know, it's, it's not, it's not stability and it's not dignity and it doesn't help. <laughs> it's in, it's unpredictability. Yeah. Lack of stability. There's no consistency there's yep. no safety. There's no psychological safety because that you don't know what's next and what's, you don't know where you can go and you yeah, prepare for anything. Exactly. Thank you. Your it, mind yep. is constantly on alert to say, where am I going to go? If this doesn't work, where am I going to go? What am I going to do next? If that doesn't work and if that doesn't work, what am I going to do? So you're preoccupied with mm -hmm. what's coming. Yep. You're constantly in a, you're constantly in survival mode. Your brain there, the brains of us homeless people never have the opportunity to come out of, of survival mode because we have to live in survival mode to survive. So we are constantly in a trauma, constantly in a trauma. And so you need to get people stable and out of a survival mode and stabilized in an area where they aren't fighting to survive or fighting to keep what little they have, then you can start restoring hope because you're offering services, you're offering some stability, you're offering some answers. We need winter shelter. We need warm water. We need bathrooms. We need garbage cans. I mean, it's these are basic human needs and rights that we should have that they've taken away from us over the course of the 2020, 2023. And, and, and we need these things. You need to be able to use a bathroom. You need to be able to get some sleep. You need warmth. You need food. These are things you literally cannot survive without. And a hundred years ago, several hundred years ago, you could go to the woods and you could, you could live, yeah. you could live whether yeah. you were earning a living or not. You and, could at least live and you could mm -hmm. have water, a place to go to the bathroom and not get arrested for doing it. Yeah. And they are arresting you for going out into the woods. Now they sweep you from the woods to the city and the city gets mad and they sweep you back into the woods. And now we've got park ambassadors that kick you out of the park if you look too homeless and they're not welcome anywhere. There right. are no services. So where do they go? Nowhere. They, they're dying in the streets. And then they get angry. And so then people wonder yep. what the heck happened. Well, I'll tell you what. Exactly. Thank you. What we, I want to close on the things we can do. Number one, yep. people in the community can still donate to organizations that are doing real straight in the street type of work. Yes. Yeah. In Whatcom County, for example, what are the places that you could talk, you could donate to that would make a difference? In other cities, there's, a, there's cities that have... There's you know, homeless outreach groups. I, from personal experience as a homeless person and then as an outreach person, I choose to donate to more of the mutual aid people when I, I see that they have boots to the ground and they're handing warm things and solutions and hope to the people on the streets. That's where I put my money. I uh -huh. don't put it into the big nonprofits where I know that 90% of my donation goes to admin costs and cookies for people who aren't doing their job. 
Um, I just don't do that anymore. You know, I can't even seek services from those places. Never have been able to. Why would I donate money to them? They keep telling me they have services and then they don't have services. And they keep the smaller people that are actually doing the, the on the ground work out of out of the game because they want the money for their admin costs and their BS and all this stuff that doesn't help the people on the streets. So personally, as a homeless person and as an outreach person, I put my money where I see it's going directly into the needs and the hands of the people who actually need it. And it's, it's providing actual help. So that's, that's my personal. And I, I advocate that anybody do that. Um, I that's know also that what you do with your volunteer time. Exactly. Right? That as well. Yes. Yes. I only, I only give my time to um, people and places that are actually doing the work. And I, I do sometimes have to suck it up and work for the County at an emergency shelter because I'm the one who knows the people. And I know that I can help, you know, make sure that they get dignity at their sheltering, you know, when the County does finally open one up, you know, every once in a while, but, but I, you know, that's, that's, because I, I want to be in there and make sure that they're getting the hope and the dignity that I feel like, uh, you know, our, our, our cities and counties aren't really given in some of these locations, welcome included. Um, but for the most part, my on the ground and my my donation time, energy, money, any of that um, goes towards, yeah, I I, re I look at what they're doing. I see the actual, you know, I, I see the, the, the need being filled without grandiose exploitation of the person as well you know a lot of these places love to parade our faces across everything and celebrate how great they were at, at doing this one little thing you know getting housing for somebody who's been out there for seven years you know and they plaster your face all over there everything so yeah now i was gonna have a normal life but now everybody knows that i was you know so and so on the street and now i've got a hat you know i mean it's just so you just really got to watch how they treat who they're helping how they're helping them and and make sure that your your money your time your energy and your hope goes into the place where it's going to actually get to the person and the people and the demographics that need it most so that's, that's awesome thank you and i would like to appreciate and thank you very much missy for being willing to step forward to being willing to share these different paradigms because we have to learn how to help mm -hmm. each other as humans. We have to rebuild our safety nets in our communities. We have to start from the ground up. And it doesn't matter whether you're living in a big city or a small city. You're still living in neighborhoods. Exactly. You're still living in a community. That's what we decided when we did agriculture back in the day. And that's what we've set every egg in a basket is not individualism. It's a society. And we need to remember that. And we need to start acting as such. We need to start realizing that our community is our safety net and we need to invest in that and invest in the hope and invest in the people of our community so that we have that. And that's the only way we've excelled. Ask not what you can do for, but ask what we can, we got to the moon on that, you know? <laughs> we need to stop being so individualistic and so me, 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 and you're a bad guy because you, we need to think we. That's the big one. We need to think we and the community. You just said something. The community, the people in the community, and the community who has relationships is in fact the safety net. Government yes. is not the safety net. Hiring people in the government is to do government quality work is not necessarily the safety net. It did help, and so thank you for the government workers who are working and helping and stepping forward. 
but on top of that or and on top of that when you have a when you have a strong community that supports each other and then you have an election and you have community members that actually are invested in their community not in um monetary accomplishment of the community or um, then you actually have uh politicians that represent your community's beliefs and feelings we do not have that right now we do not we do not and and so that's part of it when you form that community and you keep that community then your community members wind up being your civic leaders right now we just have a bunch of rich people with their hands in everybody's pockets running everything gotta stop that's that's true in some places and some places it's not because you've got people in these other cities who do have people working in the community. That's what you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The cities where the community people and the communities are strong and they're all supporting and then they're then they're all voting for people that actually have their best interests at heart. And, and so again, it's that community. Yes. So that's how democracy works and works well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's a small little, small little endeavor, Joy. I think we can fix it by tomorrow, right? <laughs> We can. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your effort. Thank you for the research. Thank you for your clarity and being able to speak about this. It's really appreciated. Thank you all for listening. Please share our podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, or from your favorite playlists. At therestorativecommunity.org, you're invited to subscribe to our newsletter, connect through social media, or send us feedback on our shows. If you're inclined to help, you can volunteer, donate, learn more, and connect at info at therestorativecommunity.org. Contributing helps us empower those silenced by oppression so they can emerge into their higher potential. Thank you.